Well, how neat is that? It sure is good to be here this morning. I do enjoy the worship here. The ways of Jesus, that's what we're talking about. Part of a series. I think it's cool the way that it's mapped out here. And hopefully the, the, the light will follow me. Made our, our way all the way down to Jericho. And the light didn't follow me. Here we go. <laughs> Jericho right here. And it's, it's, it's weird that we're all the way down here. Do you know that it's 20 miles from here to there? Doesn't seem that far, but that's how far it is, 20 miles. But between here and there is Bethany and Bethphage. That's only about eight miles from Jerusalem, about the distance from here to the big chicken. I don't know if you know where that is. That's, yeah, that's the distance from the big chicken to right there. But it's three-fourths of a mile uphill, major, major road between here and Bethany and Bethphage. And the important thing is... One of the five most important words in the whole of the Bible is that word way. It's so important. Do you know what the first Christians called themselves? It wasn't Christians. It was people of the way. Way. I'm just not talking about a method or a, that we do things. Way means road. That Jesus is the way, the truth, the life is one of the things that he said. He's the road. He's this road that leads to God. You'll hear that word way mentioned in our, our text this morning. It's all the way through the Bible. And whenever you, you hear or read that word way, you know something important is going on. And this is what it says in Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 46. And they came to Jericho. And as he was going out from Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. There's that word way. It means way or road. And when he heard that, it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say to Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he began crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take courage, arise. He is calling for you. And casting aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, for your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and began following him on the road, or way is what that word is right there. Pray with me. Jesus, we don't want to just know about you or hear about you. We want to follow you. It's what Bartimaeus did. It's the point of the story. Maybe this morning, brush up close to you. Come to, to hear your voice, to know your touch, and follow. Thank you for this congregation and for this opportunity here. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. When you were growing up, was there that kid that had better birthday parties than anybody else? Was there that kid? The one that you really hoped to be on the guest list? And it may be that there was a name immediately that came to mind. 
When I was growing up, that kid's name was Pearson. He always had the best birthday parties, always. And the best of the best parties was when his mom loaded up the, the station wagon and, and hauled us all down to Channel 2, WSB, to be on TV. It was Officer Don's Clubhouse. Oh, and if you're from the area, you may remember Officer Don's Clubhouse. Oh, it was great. Officer Don was the biggest, friendliest face on TV, and he was this big, friendly guy dressed up like a policeman, and he would he'd have all these games with children, and it, it, kids, Saturday morning, would turn on the TV to watch other kids play musical chairs. Yeah, not exactly the kind of programming that just rivets kids nowadays, but you know, you'd turn on to watch kids play musical chairs, and, and we got to be those kids. They had another thing. I don't know if you remember the ooey gooey bag. There's a, a, it was kind of the opposite of musical chairs, that they had this table that kids stood around, and they had a lazy Susan, and they'd put bags on it, and they'd turn the bags around, and when the music stopped, whatever bag was in front of you, you had to stick your hand in, and you'd pull out something from the Oriental Trading Company, you know? <laughs> and, and every kid was, you know, just really excited to get that Chinese finger trap, you know? Uh, but one kid would reach in and he'd get the ooey-gooey bag. And that usually meant mustard on the back of his hand or something like that. Nowadays, kids get slimed from head to toe. You know, but then it was just it was the ooey-gooey bag, and all the kids would go ooey-gooey. Well, the one thing that, that we had to do is called Officer Don's Clubhouse or the Popeye Club. It's because Popeye cartoons were, were played in the breaks to kind of keep things going between musical chairs and the ooey-gooey bag. And, and every time, sounds very exciting, I know. And every time that there was a cartoon, that the kids were supposed to count down to the cartoon. And you started off with five, four, three, two, one, and then everybody pointed to the camera. And TV Land would go to the cartoon, and everybody else in the studio, all the kids in the studio, got to watch the cartoon on these little monitors. And so we were counting down to a cartoon. That's what we thought we were doing, but really what we were doing, it was a launch code for my cousin Wayne. He was standing on the back of the bleachers, and he was five, four, three, two, one, and he launched off the bleachers onto Officer Don's back. Oh, it was great. He was doing what we all wanted to do. He was roughhousing with Officer Don. And we were real sure that he was just this big kid who happened to be dressed like a, a police officer. But when Wayne launched onto his back, we found out really who he was. <laughs> he was just another adult. <laughs> and he did what other adults would normally. He peeled my cousin Wayne off, called for security, and they could hauled him off kicking and screaming to what they call the peanut gallery. And so they came back from the cartoon and all these kids are staring into the abyss trying to wonder what just happened. <laughs> that they're, that, 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 you know, this big friendly face turned out to be just an adult. And that's kind of the way the interruptions are, aren't they? You know, you find out what's under the veneer. You find out what's beneath the surface, what's under the costume. Interruptions do that, don't they? Yeah. That's the way interruptions are. There are three stories in the Gospels about Jericho. And this is one of those stories. Jesus and his disciples are in Jericho and they're getting ready to, to leave. They're on that, that road going from Jericho to Jerusalem. And there on the road, there's a, a blind man. Now, he's, he's put out his cloak 
Because he's depending on anything anybody would give him. They might flip him a coin or they might give him a loaf of bread, something where he could survive for one more day. Well, he hears the hustle and the bustle and he listens to what's going on, but he realizes this day is different from all the other days. Hope is on the road this day. And he begins to cry out. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Well, now all of a sudden this guy, nobody notices. They begin to notice him, and not in a good way. He's a nuisance. And so they try and shush him. And then he cries out even louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Well, now this could be dangerous. Son of David, David was a king. Son of David, this is somebody who, at least for this one person, is reminding them of a king. Well, if a Roman soldier heard that, things wouldn't be pretty at all. He'd start killing people and let God sort them out. I mean, he, this could be very dangerous. And he cries out, Jesus, son of David. That's when Jesus hears the cry of this blind man. And he says, bring him here. So what do you want me to do for you? The blind man says, I want to receive my sight. Jesus says, your, your faith has made you well. And he begins to follow him on the way. It's the interruption. It's the call. It's the tight spot. It's that place where everybody gets nervous, wondering, where's the, is there a soldier anywhere around? What's going to happen here? And we find out what's beneath the surface. And it's a Messiah. A Messiah that the Old Testament prophets let us know that, that when the Messiah comes, the blind receive sight. The Old Testament has been pointing to this one we call Jesus right here. And we find, we find him in the interruption, we discover him in the interruption. We uncover who he is there in the interruption. Well, I said there are three stories about Jericho. Another one is when Jesus and his disciples are going into Jericho. They come into the road in Jericho, and, and people are starting to crowd around. They're starting to try and figure out who in the world this guy is. And tells us that there's a fellow that, that sees what's going on. His name is Zacchaeus. And it says, and he was a tax collector. Well, that doesn't speak a whole lot to you and me today. Tax collectors, we think, okay, well, this is bookish guy with a pencil and a ledger. And he says, and your tax shall be. No, wrong idea, totally. This is the most hated man in all of the community. He's hated, one, because he's collaborated with the Roman government, the occupying government, to collect taxes from his own people. They saw him as a traitor. And if, I think we miss the mark if we see him as this, this bookish guy because that's not the case at all. I think he's more of kind of a Tony Soprano type. He's more of an enforcer because the Roman government has said, okay, this is, they, don't, they didn't send out tax assessments. What they did was they assessed the tax collector and said, you get this much from this area right here, anything you get over that, you keep it. Well, with a system like that, you can bet he'd take advantage of it. Nobody wanted to be his friend. He'd find out just how many sheep you actually had. Nobody wanted to be his friend. He'd find out just how much wine you did produce. Nobody wanted to be friend, his friend because he'd find out just how much profit you, you made that year, and he'd take it. 
And if he wasn't man enough to take it, he'd call on the Roman army to help him out. They'd kill folks first and ask questions later. Nobody stood up to the tax collector, so they hated him. Tells us that his name was Zacchaeus. He didn't want to go in and and be a part of what was going on there because he knew that it it was dangerous. There was another group of people called the Sakari, and that word means dagger carrier, and they carried daggers for one purpose, that they might get a chance to kill a, a tax collector. So to see Jesus, he climbed a sycamore tree. Here the loneliest man in the community climbs a sycamore tree, a place that he thought would be safe, a place that was separate, a place that he thought was secret. And he certainly doesn't call out to Jesus. It's just the opposite here in the story. Jesus calls out to him, and he calls him by name. He says, Zacchaeus, come down, for today I must stay in your house. And here, Tony Soprano falls out of the tree, and he comes up to Jesus, and he says, if I've defrauded anyone, who says that? If I've defrauded, if I've, if I've taken money from, unless you've taken money from someone. And that's exactly what he's done, and Jesus knows it. He knows it. He says, if I've defrauded anyone, taken money from me, I'll pay him back four times what I owe him. That it's in the interruption. That it's in the, the call. That it's in the uncovering. It's in the, the looking beneath the skin. Do we find a sinner saved by grace right there? And Jesus turns to him and says, salvation has come to this house. Interruptions. They find out what's beneath the surface, what's really there. The thing that maybe we've tried to cover up or hide or keep in secret. Interruptions do that. I said there are three. The third one is a story Jesus tells. He tells a story about that road from Jerusalem to Jericho, that 20 miles between those two. And he says that a a man falls among the thieves. They strip him and beat him and they leave him half dead. Well, in this story, Jesus says the first one that passes by this man doesn't want to be interrupted by it. He's a priest. He has his life planned out. He has it organized. He knows where he's going. Chances are pretty good he's going to the temple because that's what priests do. And says, and he stepped by the other way. Next was a Levite. Levites, they were good folks. Very, very good folks. But he certainly doesn't want to be interrupted. So he steps by the other way. Well, you know the way this story goes. The one that does stop, it's a Samaritan. He has time for the interruption. And in that interruption, he binds his wounds, he applies oil to them, he puts him on his beast, and he takes, them to, takes the man to an inn where he gives the innkeeper two denarii, and he says, anything that he costs beyond this, I'll pay when I return. And Jesus says, who proved to be the man's neighbor? Well, we know the the answer to that. It's the one who was willing to be interrupted, the one who listened to the interruption, the one that showed love when the others were just too busy. Too busy. Wow. Is that the enemy of the Christian life or what? 
busyness. Hustle. Noise. I don't think there are many of us in here who say, hey, tomorrow let's go be bad. Yeah, that's just not a big appeal to any of us. But busyness, hustle, it'll lead us into just all kinds of bad places without us even knowing that your life and mine, most often they're uncovered in the interruption. They're discovered in the interruption. And most of life, well, you know, most of life, it happens on the Jericho Road in the interruption, that place that we didn't plan, that place that we didn't calculate, that place that we didn't count on. And hear the good news, that he still hears the cry when we call to him. And he says, What do you want me to do? The way that Paul put it in Romans, he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not might be saved or ought to be saved or there's a good shot at it. No, everyone. That's a lot of people, you know. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, this morning it may be that you've been sitting side by side with guilt for a long time and you needed to hear that word of assurance. Scripture offers it. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And our Lord's name is Jesus. He healed the blind man and he can heal you and me as well. He listens when we call. He listens when we speak to him. But he also calls out to us. It was to Zacchaeus that he he called Zacchaeus by name and he says, Today I must stay at your house. And that's his desire to get to know you and meet where we live. Not just in church, though this is a good start. We discover who he is here in worship, but he wants to get to know you where you live in your heart of hearts. And it may be that place that you're trying to keep secret, to keep dark, away from everybody else, that lonely place. He sees you up there, and he calls to you. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. That Jesus wants wants to, to get to know you, where you live. And he calls you by name, standing there at the door, interrupting those who allow it. Not only that, he still uses unlikely people. Sometimes it's a Samaritan, and sometimes it's unlikely folks like like you and me. How could he use us to bind the the wounds of the world? How could he use you and me unless we take time for the interruption? 
on the cross, Jesus gave his life for you and me to, to take away all of our sins, not some of them, not just the heavyweight sins, but even the cruiserweight and welterweight sins, to take away the lightweight and featherweight sins, to take away all our sins. And then he didn't say, okay, you're clean. Good luck for the rest of your life. When he rose from the grave, he rose to live his life through you and through me. And this is exactly what he was trying to tell his disciples on the last night of his earthly life when he gathered them together in an upper room and he took a loaf of bread to show them what he was talking about, his crucifixion and resurrection. He took that bread and after having given thanks, he broke it. And he said, take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. And likewise, after the meal, he took the cup. And after having given thanks, he said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. He's talking about power. His life, alive in your life and in my life. A power that was strong enough to raise him from the dead and strong enough to listen in the interruption. Strong enough to go into a world that needs to know who Jesus is. So Christ invites to his table all who love him. All who truly and earnestly repent of their sins and intend to lead a new life. If this is your desire, join with me in our confession. It's found on the overhead screen. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us offer our individual confession in silence. Pray with me. Jesus, you hear our hearts and not just our words. During this time, grant us the grace, the power of the risen Christ that we might turn over to you not just a, a few things, but everything. This morning it may be that you, there are folks here, you gave a shake. Others, you gave a nudge, and still other folks that you gave a thump on the head. In this time of interruption, may we hear your voice. Come receive your body and blood and, and know your power. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. And hear the words of comfort when we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners.
That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen.